Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. I know you're paying attention to global events. Wars bubbling up everywhere. Countries are buying and hoarding mass amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our heads in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
Beware of your outsourcing. Look, this is a complicated life. A lot of moving parts. I need outsourcing sometimes. I told you the dishwasher saga. I can't do that. Told you the story about my broken tile. Yes, my house is falling down around me during the quarantine. Chris, who's this weirdo handyman person, looks at me like, well, I just touch it. Do you have, what did he call it? Like, do you have like an air wedge or something? What did you call it, Chris? Air chisel? Like, no, I don't, I don't have an air chisel. I have a screwdriver. Does that work? But beware how often you outsource and who you outsource to. Italy, a long, long, long time ago, about the year, oh, 1902, a man was born. His name was Umberto Anastasio. You may know him as Albert Anastasia. He, well, he had a rough upbringing. They were poor anyway, had about 9,000 siblings. Father died right after World War I. So here he is, fatherless, penniless, huge family, stuck in Italy, which was uh, in dire financial straits at the time, and he wanted out. And so with his brother, he chose to become, well, a guy who works on a ship is how I'll describe it to you. Now... We need to take a step back here for a moment. 15 years old. I don't know what you were doing at 15, but I was about the size of a twig. I'm pretty sure I had Little Caesars and Mountain Dew three meals a day. Almost positive I was still picking my nose. Albert Anastasia took on one of the most brutal jobs you can have at the time. You see, working on a ship does not mean he brought the captain a cup of coffee every now and then. It was brutal, backbreaking work, crappy food, horrible living conditions. It was akin to torture back in the day. Brutal work. So they start because they're shipping and because New York was the biggest port in the world at the time, they start seeing Brooklyn when they roll in. And they're looking at the guys working on the dock. And that was brutal work too, which we'll get to in a minute. And he and his brother eventually say, you know what? Screw this. Gone. Illegally immigrate right into New York, flat out jump ship. And they go working on the docks. Now, there's something you should know about Albert Anastasia. Lost his father, you know that. Poor, you know that. Was also built like an absolute brick house. Not super tall, but they said the dude was just a tank and apparently had hands of steel, is how they described them, where if he hit you, he would break bones. Now he goes to work on the New York docks. 
you need to understand the New York docks were basically a war zone at the time, and I'll explain why. Docks in, in any city, in any country in the world, and this is still true today, have corruption everywhere. Everywhere. It just, I'm not insulting anybody individually. I'm not insulting any industry. But docks are how you bring in goods from other nations. Those goods can be drugs. Those goods can be stolen items, counterfeited items. Those, dru- those goods oftentimes today, sadly, are people. It's a massive human smuggling operation, and that happens at the ports. People get paid off at the ports. People smuggle at the ports. People steal at the ports. Ports are crime-ridden. Now, we've done a lot better job now in this country of trying to clean some of that up, but if you think our ports are all clean, my goodness. I'll sell you the Golden Gate Bridge right after the show. And this was an era that was much more lawless than where we live now. The New York docks were rough. There were about 900 piers. Most of the men carried bailing hooks, and you know what a bailing hook is, or at least you should. Picture a big hook like like somebody bails hay with, a bailing hook, and it has a handle on the end of it. So essentially you can hold it in your fist, and you get a firm grip on it, and there's a massive hook coming out the end of your fist. That's the best way I can describe it. And they fought with them. They fought each other with them. Because when I say corruption, I mean the various organized crime factions, the Italians, the Jews, the Irish, they were all fighting for various forms of control of the docks. Beyond the basic uh, uh, corruption... There were hiring bosses, and a hiring boss is exactly what it sounds like. Work was coveted. You wanted to get paid. You wanted to put food on the table, and so one man would be the boss of deciding who got to go to work that day. And those guys got killed a lot, 10 and 10 years at one point in time. They just flat out disappeared. So Albert Anastasia, built like a brick house, already inherently violent, walks into the New York docks and starts to work. And he starts to beat the living daylights out of people. 18, 19 years old, and he is already feared. Eventually, he comes across the man who was not afraid of him, and this man's name was Joe Torino. They were not alone. This was not hidden in a back alley. This was right out in the open with everybody watching Joe Torino begins to challenge Albert Anastasia. Joe Torino then gets stabbed really quickly and then gets held down and choked to death by Albert Anastasia's hands. Everybody witnessed it. Albert did not only did not hide it, he, multiple witnesses said, enjoyed it. Yes, he was angry, but. He enjoyed the experience watching Joe Torino's life fade from his eyes. Well, the docks may be lawless, but there is still some law at this point in New York. Albert Anastasia finds himself arrested, convicted, on death row in Sing Sing prison, and that's all she wrote, right? Well, no, you see, 
Sometimes when you have certain talents, people looking for those talents will find you. And at this time, there was an up-and-coming gangster in New York City named Lucky Luciano. He was not the big shot quite yet, but he was up-and-coming and, as you may imagine, organized crime. They need people who can choke the life out of somebody and enjoy it. And there was actually a talent scout, if you can believe this, a talent scout for criminals in the prison whose nickname was The Shiv. I'm not making this up. And worked in the barber shop. And I don't just mean for Italian mafia. I mean for any, whatever you need. Oh, you know what? This kid could probably, he'd probably go well on your bank robbing crew. We've thrown me a little money and uh, I'll give you his name. And he knows Lucky Luciano's looking for new talent, violent talent. And there's this 18, 19 year old kid, Albert Anastasia, and he's on death row and he's still beating everybody up in prison and trying to kill everyone. And so the Shiv picks up the phone. Lucky answers the phone. Hang on. I've got an animal inside of me. This is Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Albert Anastasia sitting on death row in Sing Sing, only he's really good at killing and hurting people. And so the Shiv, the criminal talent scout from the prison barber shop, not making that up, gives Lucky Luciano a call, says there's a guy here that you may want to look into. Lucky does some digging and says, yeah, that's a, that's a man whose talents I can use. Well, he's got a problem, right? The guy's on death row. Uh, yeah, about that. You see, Lucky Luciano had two things. He had a lot of politicians and judges in his pocket where he could get a retrial. And he also had a willingness to help witnesses forget what they thought they saw. You see, there were four witnesses who gave the worst testimony about watching Albert Anastasia choke the life out of somebody. And I don't know whether they all went on vacation and stayed or what, but all four of them disappeared forever. So the retrial comes, Albert Anastasia gets let off, and now he is in Lucky Luciano's debt, as you can imagine. Now this is a time... When there are two big bosses running New York, Luciano was not one of them. And the biggest one was Joe the Boss Mazzaria. That's who Lucky Luciano worked for. And this is something straight out of the movies. And the reason it's straight out of the movies is because all these mafia movies you love, they all copy the stuff the guys did in real life. Lucky Luciano wanted to kill his boss, Joe 
the boss Mazaria. And so what did he do? He invited him to lunch. And they sat down by themselves in Joe the boss Mazaria's favorite restaurant. And they ate lunch and they engorged themselves. And then they began playing cards. Not a care in the world. He's Joe the boss Mazaria, right? And at one point, Lucky Luciano, at obviously a designated time, got up, went back to use the restroom, and four gentlemen entered the restaurant right about the time Lucky Luciano went to the restroom. One of those four gentlemen, the leader of the group, was Mr. Albert Anastasia, and they filled Joe the Boss Mazaria full of bullets. If you're sitting in front of your computer as you listen to my voice right now, you are welcome to Google Joe the Boss Mazaria, and you will witness Albert Anastasia's handiwork firsthand. Now, Lucky Luciano continues to rise. Organized crime was very factioned. Is factioned a word, Chris? Can I use that word? Very factioned at the time. And eventually, Luciano finds himself as the big cheese, and he brings in all the bosses of all the families. And starts what is called something you've most likely heard before, the commission, the mafia commission, where they will essentially run it like a business. We will make corporate decisions. We will not fight with each other. This family will have this territory. This family will have that territory. You are going to be in charge of the heroin. You're going to be in charge of the hookers, so on and so forth. Sounds like a real good time. Well, that sounds nice in theory. And you hear people talk about, well, the commission. And he really, he really cleaned things up and made organized crime much, you know, much more, much more user-friendly. Well, here's the thing. It's still crime. It's still drugs. It's still gambling. It's still prostitution. It's still all the ugly sides of life. And when you start to dive into that world, into that dark part of that world, Somebody needs pushed around. Somebody needs killed. And Lucky Luciano was not naive to this. So what he decided was, we don't need to do all our own killing anymore. We're very business businessman-like, right? What we need is a special group of killers. Then that's all they do is whatever killing the commission tells them to do. And who do you think he picked to lead that group? Mr. Albert Anastasia. And the group was called Murder, Inc. Uh, I believe the newspapers actually called it that. They, of course, did not call it that themselves. It's kind of funny when you think about it. I mean, unless you're one of the thousand people they allegedly murdered. It's kind of funny when you think about it. The group operated out of the second story of the Midnight Rose Candy Shop in Manhattan. Candy store with a bunch of killers up top. Now, things are going well. Again, unless you're one of the people on the other end of the ice pick, Albert Anastasia is slipping into your ear. Murder Inc. is killing everybody they're told to kill. And across the nation, I should clarify this, the commission was nationwide, And the murders they committed were nationwide. We're not just talking about New York City. Kansas City, L.A., you name it. They would go and finish the job. 
Well, as all horrific, violent, ugly things, there's an end date to it. Now, I should clarify something, and this is going to be applicable as I tell our story today. The mafia then and now, I'm sure that's still the same with organized crime groups around the world. The way they killed you was often significant. They wanted to send a message to other people thinking about doing what you're doing. If you were a witness to a crime and chose to talk, you would be shot in the eyes. If you stole, you would have your hands chopped off. And if you were a rat or what they called a canary because you would sing, if you talked to the cops, they would kill you and stuff a canary in your mouth. Canary was the word they used for it back then. Bringing us to a Mr. Abe Rellis. Abe Rellis, his nickname was Kid Twist. Don't ask me why. It's very strange. Abe Rellis, he was part of Murder, Inc. He was a killer. And he finds himself busted because at this point in time, Thomas Dewey was the special prosecutor of New York and he was taking organized crime very seriously when no one else had. He gets his hands on Abe Rellis, brings him in, and Abe Rellis, as one of the first ones to ever do this, decides he'd rather talk than go to the electric chair. Kind of understandable, I guess. And there's a problem for organized crime. It's not just that he's talking. It turns out Abe Rellis had a photographic memory. And I'm not exaggerating. Had a photographic memory. Remembered everything he'd ever done. Everybody he'd ever worked with while doing it. Remembered the minute details of it. In fact, he was so detailed about the horrific things they did at Murder, Inc., the stenographers that take down the story, you know, as he's, as he's giving his story, they had to keep rotating them out because they would get too sick listening to him talk about all the ways they killed, maimed, and tortured people. Yeah, not, not great people. And, of course, as you may imagine, one of the people he had quite – a lot to say about was Mr. Albert Anastasia, the leader of the group. You see, Albert Anastasia was not just a, hey, go kill this guy, go kill that guy. He was more of a hands-on kind of boss. And in the case of a Mr. Peter Ponto, hands-on, well, I guess you could say hands-on took on a whole new meaning. I'll tell you about Mr. Albert Anastasia and Peter Ponto in just a second. The Jesse Kelly Show. Ellis, busted, in jail, decides to do the 
sing like a canary thing, and rat out all the organized crime buddies he has, including Mr. Albert Anastasia, and one of the stories he tells them is the story of Peter Ponto. Peter, you see, he also worked on the docks. He was not an organized crime guy. He was just a union dude. He worked on the docks. And he he didn't participate in all the things Albert Anastasia did on the docks. And I understand, like I told you before, the docks were and are horrifically corrupt. In fact, back in these days, they were so corrupt that it was almost treated like a tax. As in, you're a business and you order a thousand rolls of toilet paper from from France. You would just build into the fact that I'm actually going to get 500 rolls of toilet paper. By the time it leaves France and gets to my shop, sticky fingers are going to have raided me. It was it was that known. Well, Peter Ponto didn't take any too too kindly to that. And one day, Peter makes the grave grave mistake of accepting a ride from a limousine that pulled over and offered it to him. Well, Albert Anastasia was in that limousine. And remember when I said he was a bit of a hands-on boss? Yeah, he wrapped his hands around the throat of Peter Ponto and didn't let go until he was dead. He then took him to a place, I believe it was in New Jersey, buried him in a ditch and poured quicklime over him. Covered it back up. Would have never been found, except Abe Rellis now told the authorities about it. They went, dug up the body, and now Albert Anastasia is in trouble. The commission is in trouble. They need something done about this Abe Rellis. Only, there's a problem. Abe Rellis is under extreme police protection. This is before, you know, witness protection officially, but he had five cops at a time guarding him 24 hours a day in a hotel. So one night, he goes to sleep. According to the cops, they checked on him at 3 a.m. Then they went back in at first light, and he wasn't in his room anymore, and the window was open, and there were sheets tied together, tied to the radiator of the room. That's weird. And the cops, again, according to the cops, walked over, Looked out the window, and there was Abe Rellis splattered on the pavement six floors down. Trying to escape, I say in Airfingers quotes. I think we all know exactly what happened there. And remember how I told you they called informants canaries? He was then labeled the canary who could sing but could not fly. Now, things are going okay for Albert Anastasia, except the commission decides Murder, Inc. is just too hot now. We got to fade the heat. We got to close down Murder, Inc., and they do. And here's the problem. Albert Anastasia had done a lot of work for the mafia, had killed a lot of people for the mafia, had made a lot of sacrifices for the mafia, and they, in turn, instead of making him the boss made him the underboss of the Mangano family. They essentially, in Albert's eyes, slapped him in the face. Now you're Albert Anastasia. You are not the number one man. You're the number two man. 
essentially the number three man because it was the Van Gano brothers who ran it. What do you think Albert Anastasia does to handle that particular problem? I've walked you through his life. You know, what's that old saying? If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Well, Philip, the younger brother, they found him with three bullet holes in him. Vincent, the boss, they never found him at all. And that is extremely against the commission's rules. They called Albert Anastasia before them. He said, hey, I've done a lot for you. It was self-defense. I didn't really do it, but I kind of did it. Sorry. And they looked the other way again and made him the boss of the family. Except Albert Anastasia is still Albert Anastasia. And you outsource to him. And when you're trying to keep quiet, Albert Anastasia can't stop being Albert Anastasia. Some plumber from New Jersey named Charles Ferry and his wife, they were about to testify against Albert Anastasia, and then they went missing, and their house was found splattered with blood. And then, to top it all off, Arnold Schuster had to open his mouth. Now I know what you're saying, Jesse. Who is Arnold Schuster? Well, he was really a nobody. He was a clothing salesman, a shoe salesman. And he found himself riding on, I believe it was the subway. May have been a train, I don't remember. Looks over and sees, oh my gosh, that's Willie Sutton. Now, Willie Sutton is the most famous bank robber still of all time by a mile. He is infamous. I cannot believe they haven't made a dozen movies about the guy. He broke out of prison three times. He never hurt a person. He would use fake guns. He never hurt anybody, never shot anybody. He just loved robbing banks and was great at robbing banks. And once they asked him why he robbed the banks, and he said, because that's where the money is. <laughs> he, and he never ratted on anybody. And he was just a stud. In the criminal underworld, he was a stud. Famous, famous person. Fascinating individual. And at this point, he had broken out of prison again and had been on the lam for two years. And Mr. Arnold Schuster, the clothing salesman, looks over and says, wow, that's Willie Sutton. And Arnold Schuster does what a good citizen would do. And he goes and tells the cops. The cops arrest Willie Sutton and throw him into prison. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, Jesse, what's that have to do with Albert Anastasia? Well, that's that's my point. Nothing. Except Albert Anastasia hated people who talked to the police. And Arnold Schuster was treated like a legend for about 15 minutes. He's all over the all over the newspapers. They're celebrating. The mayor gave him an award. This is what you want to be. And Albert Anastasia, because he's Albert Anastasia and a homicidal maniac, he gets mad. And he decides to ignore one of the sacred rules of the commission. And and they found Arnold Schuster with a bullet hole in his groin and one in each eye. And that was that. You see, that was finally the bridge too far. Eventually... Albert Anastasia walked into the Hotel Park Sheridan as he did every single day. 
He was a freak about his appearance, which is funny when you think about the kind of guy he was. But he would go to the Hotel Park Sheridan and get his hair trimmed every single day, and he would get a shave. Now, for those of you who've never had a professional shave, I'm talking to, you know, you non-Italian women and the dudes. When you get a professional shave, you lay down, and they put all these creams and things on your face before they take the straight razor to it. But what they do always, and honestly, it's always made me a little uncomfortable since I read this story, what they do is they wrap your face up in steaming towels to open up the pores and soften your facial hair. Make sure you get a nice smooth shave without slicing your face up. Albert Anastasia lays down that day in the barber shop, gets his face wrapped up, and wouldn't you know it, his driver slash bodyguard happened to be across the street getting breakfast. Which, if the Mafia Commission wants you dead, is not where your bodyguard should be. Listening to the Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. Hotel Park Sheridan, 1957. Albert Anastasia is laying in a barber chair, towels wrapped around his face. Two gunmen walk in. Start firing bullets into him. Albert Anastasia is, as you may imagine, not one to just take that laying down. Springs out of his chair to try to fight them is clearly confused because he's covered in towels and being shot. So he charges at the men shooting him, only he accidentally charges the mirror. He charges their reflection in the mirror instead of the men themselves. Slips on all the towels and the blood and the wetness and everything else. One of them fires a bullet into his head, and that, as they say, is all she wrote. Again, if you're sitting in front of your computer, you can look up Albert Anastasia and you will see him laying dead on the barbershop floor in all of his glory. Now, where did the commission go wrong? Well, they went wrong in the same way many people have gone wrong throughout history. You can talk about, and I've talked about it before, maybe I'll do another show on this. You can talk about the Romans and their Praetorian Guard. The emperor would put in a Praetorian guard, and they're going to protect us. And eventually the Praetorian guard looks around one day and says, well, I'm the only one around here with the sword. Someone tell me why I shouldn't be in charge. When they chose to outsource all the violent stuff, all the muscle, to one man, one group, well, you get what you get. We all have to be careful in life 
who and what we outsource to. You do this too. I do this too. Too much. Personal protection. You hear me talk about it all the time. Do you outsource your personal protection? Somebody breaks in your home. Are the cops coming or you're dead? Is that your situation? You're Donald Trump. You have an economic crisis. You have a pandemic on your hands. Who are you outsourcing to? What are their motivations? You can outsource all the decision-making to an infectious disease doctor, but there's a problem there. In the same way Albert Anastasia's solution is always just to go shoot somebody in the face, an infectious disease doctor, not even faulting him, his solution is always going to be what? More quarantines, more medical treatment, everybody stay home. Only America is not a disease. America is not a disease. America has a disease, but America is many things. There are many concerns that go into a country of 330 million people. And if you outsource the decision-making to an infectious disease doctor, well, I just got word from Goldman Sachs. They're estimating workforce participation to be under 60%. People, that's a Great Depression. That's what happens when you outsource the decision-making, when you outsource to the wrong guy. And and I know what you're saying. Well, what choice did we have? And I should clarify, as you can tell, my history segment went a little long today, and I have other fun stories that I'm going to enjoy talking about. So let me just be clear. This might be, no promises, this might be the last you hear me talk about coronavirus today. You're beaten over the face with it endlessly. It's all there is out there. We're going to have some fun today, but let me just say this. Whether you agree or disagree with it, this was not the only way. And it was absolutely not the only thing other countries have tried. Sweden, South Korea. I'm looking at an article from Forbes right now. Sweden has no coronavirus, but can it last? Sweden is seeing lots of their death tolls peak. They didn't shut down schools. They didn't shut down restaurants. Sweden didn't line up their economy and shoot it in the back of the head. I'm not saying they're right. I'm not. I don't know. We won't know till this is done. But I'm saying this. There were other ways. There are other ways. Countries have done different things. And understand this. This virus is coming back, most likely. History tells us there's going to be a second wave. So if we get that second wave, are we going to do this again? Are the American people even going to be willing to do this again? What if that second wave comes in a couple months? We're open back up. We're finally starting to claw back. We're getting rolling. 
Do you think the American people are even going to allow you to lock them in their homes again? Be careful who you outsource to. Jesse Kelly. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. nwretention.com, that's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE, get you 10% off. Who is there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. Over 80 walks, runs, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone. Testosterone-fueled again. Maximize your masculinity today at choq.com. Use the code JESSE for a massive discount on any Chalk subscription for life. choq.com, code JESSE. Limited time offer, subscription cancelable at any time. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.
Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Jesse.